Good evening, ghouls and ghoulettes, and welcome to Killer Horror Critic, the podcast worth dying for. Hosted by the Killer Horror Critic himself, this is the show where guests from all over the horror spectrum join to talk about some of their favorite horror films. So get snugged under the covers, grab a cuddly puppy, and prepare for tonight's blood-curdling episode of Killer Horror Critic. Good evening, horror fans, and welcome to another episode of Killer Horror Critic. I'm your host, Matt. And I'm Chris. And we are your killer couple critiquing and arguing over horror films like a couple of weirdos at the bar. So maybe we never quite enlighten you. Maybe we never blow your mind. Maybe we never kick you in the nards, but hopefully you just have a good time listening. So, (laughs) tonight we are continuing our entering gateway horror theme with the 1987 film The Monster Squad. So this was directed by Fred Decker, who was a filmmaker that was rejected, actually, by both USC and UCLA film schools. What? So, just kind of a lesson of, like, you know, never give up. Yeah. (laughs) If it's your dream, don't give up. Uh, So he was rejected by both of them. He eventually, I think, became an English major at UCLA. And one of his first big breaks was he uh, actually came up with the initial story for what became the film House. Oh. And then he made his debut feature with Night of the Creeps, which I think is great. Yep. Go check it out if you haven't seen it. It's amazing. The Monster Squad was his sophomore feature. He also directed RoboCop 3 after this. And most recently worked on the script for The Predator, uh, which was made by Shane Black. And speaking of Shane Black, Shane Black wrote the script for The Monster Squad along with Fred Decker. Uh, They were good friends who met at UCLA. And, you know, Shane, for those of you that don't know, was the writer who made it big time with his sale of the Lethal Weapon script. Actually, if I remember correctly, Lethal Weapon at the time... Uh, was sold for the most money that any screenplay had ever been sold for. I believe it was the first million-dollar script purchase. Damn. <laughs> uh, so, so he obviously, you know, had a pretty good career after that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> he also wrote films like The Last Action Hero uh, and became a director and directed Kiss Kiss Bane Bane, Iron Man 3, The Nice Guys, and The Predator, like I just mentioned, uh, which was his most recent thing. Uh, the film stars Andre Gower as Sean, who got his start in TV doing shows like Days of Our Lives. This was his first big starring role, and he originally wanted to play Rudy because he wanted to be the cool kid of the film. Aww. <laughs> uh, but ended up getting this, which, you know, in the long run was probably better for him. But <laughs> Yeah, to be the leader of the Monster Squad. Exactly. So he also recently directed uh, the documentary Wolfman's Got Nards, which is actually great. Like, if you're a Monster Squad fan... You have to see this documentary. It's really heartwarming and just really well made. The film also stars Brent Chalum as Horace. This was his first big role. He hadn't really done much before this, so he was kind of, I think, one of the more inexperienced kids that was part of the group. And unfortunately, he did pass away in his early 20s before before the Monster Squad really became the cult hit that it is now. So that's sad because the, the cast all remembers him very fondly and you know, of course, believes that he would have really enjoyed seeing, you know, the love that this film has gotten since then. The film also stars Duncan Rager as Dracula. You know, Duncan's an interesting person. He was actually a 
champion figure skater and Olympic boxer at one point. <laughs> Wait, he was uh, a figure skater and a boxer? Yes. <laughs> I love this man. He started in TV films and and had a, a reoccurring role on the Matt and Jenny series, which I've never heard of until no. I was doing research for this, but he, had a, he did quite Good a few episodes. Him. This was his first big feature as well. Uh, the film also has Tom Noonan as Frankenstein's monster, and Tom was a character actor who appeared in films like Wolfen, which is great if you've never seen it. You know, I'm a little bit biased because I'm, I'm a wolf and werewolf fan in general, but but it was great. He was the villain in Manhunter, you know, played the creepy guy that Hannibal Lecter's helping hunt down. Uh, he went on to do RoboCop 2, Last Action Hero, where he also has a great performance as the Ripper in, Heat, The House of the Devil. So he's done a lot of really great bit performances. And, uh, and that's, you know, we only have so much room that <laughs> for the yeah. cast, but there's, there's a lot of actors that are just great in this. Uh, and so for those of you that have never seen The Monster Squad, it's basically about a group of kids who are obsessed with monsters and discover that Dracula has come to their towns to resurrect a bunch of monsters and basically end the world. So <laughs> Like <laughs> and, you do. And, and it's up to them to stop it. So we are going to be spoiling the film and... You know, unfortunately, it is not streaming that I know of, So, uh, but well worth the rental if you've never seen it. Highly recommend yep. the movie. It's great. <laughs> First, we have our usual bit of spoiler-free content, so we'll let you know when we're getting into the spoilers. So, as usual, just a tagline versus the film, what we think of the movie overall. So, the tagline for the Monster Squad was, You know who to call when you have ghosts, but who do you call when you have monsters? <laughs> Okay. So, what do you think of the tagline? What do you think of the Monster Squad overall? That is a damn good tagline. Very good, yeah. yeah. Obviously playing up on Ghostbusters there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, super charming. And I feel like that works really well with this film, because that's what this film is. This film is a fun, charming, chaotic monster movie. Like, coming, it's not even coming of age. It's just a fun kids monster film. I and mean, it's still coming of age. It's just, you know, it's not None your... of them learn anything. <laughs> None of them grow. They learn how to kill monsters and be badasses. A any kids movie where they're dealing with adult shit, I consider coming of age. So. Fair enough. <laughs> but it's, yes, obviously not your more traditional coming of age movie. <laughs> yeah. But I, I also totally get why this would be such a huge gateway horror movie for so many kids. This movie is so charming, and I do think that it really picks up on, like, that great chaotic kid energy that not all coming-of-age movies get. Because this movie has a bunch of chaotic little gremlins running around, well, and we love them. Well, I mean, the movie itself is very chaotic, you yeah. know? like I'm <laughs> It's very like, much a boy's film. It is. And, 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 you know, and we'll get into that aspect yeah. as we go on. But, but you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not one to sit here and, you know... Uh, say that fred decker is like the most amazing filmmaker to have ever lived you know like it, the monster squad's a very chaotic movie mm -hmm. and you know the older you get the more you kind of notice the many 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 inconsistencies <laughs> <laughs> and, and and small flaws of the movie you know just like on technicality side <laughs> but they're charming they work kind but, of but it is charming but you know I, I mean especially on this revisit though just watching it over and over again i really started to notice like how many <laughs> how many you know little tiny issues there are right like uh like there's one scene where they're uh where they're being swarmed by the monsters in dracula's mansion and there's a statue behind him. And anyway, one of the kids is, like, uh, covering his eyes. And it cuts back to him, like, four different times. When in one of the shots, he's holding the dog. And in the other three shots, <laughs> he's covering his eyes, you know. So it's so it's just that kind of thing. Like, yeah. you know, it, 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 
look, the thing is, is this was this is a huge task for Fred Decker to take on. You know, it's mm-hmm. a sophomore feature, and you're talking about not just one monster, but five of the most iconic monsters. You know, yep. d- delivered to the people from Universal. You know, like this was what this was was basically like a homage to Universal monsters and just mm-hmm. kind of you know almost like a fan film to that which which Decker was typical to do like even Night of the Creeps you know Decker was kind of one of those writers where every character is you know basically named after like a <laughs> popular horror filmmaker or something like that yeah uh, he, that's just the kind of guy he is he has a hu- he has a great passion for horror and I think that that's what really shines through in the Monster Squad is that you know despite any of the flaws or the things that may that don't make sense which there's quite a bit of <laughs> you don't worry about <laughs> d- it d- despite any of that you know we i think we as horror fans forgive it because you can really just sense that passion all throughout yeah. the movie you know uh, like decker clearly had a deep love for universal monsters and that shows through the film yeah and you know it's unfortunate because this movie did bomb at the box office you know i what yeah, it, it did terribly what uh, the to, fuck? To, to the point where it basically kind of ruined Decker's career. And then doing RoboCop 3 to follow this up was pretty much the nail in the coffin because that movie <laughs> that movie also did not turn out very well, as, as many RoboCop fans will tell you. Um, and so, so it unfortunately kind of killed his career. You know, it was only, it was only recently that he kind of came back. Like when I heard that he was doing The Predator with Shane Black, I was like, oh, shit, that's awesome because – you know, I, I haven't heard of Decker really doing anything since since the early 90s. So, so you know, it unfortunately kind of almost killed his career. The, the movie had a hard time kind of selling audiences on who it was for. Mm. And, and even listening to the cast and crew talk about it, you know, all of them kind of agree of like, ah, yeah, you know, this movie isn't, a, it, it doesn't fall neatly into a category. And the, the thing with Hollywood is, is that, studios like their movies that fall neatly into a category yeah you know like in film school we we had this sort of like quadrant that we were taught and it's very (laughs) stupid because it's very it's very binary based for one you know and and i don't think that and hopefully that has changed now and students are being taught something different yeah because when i went to film school you know we were taught like okay you have this quadrant of four spaces and it's basically older men older women younger men and younger women you know mm-hmm. and, and and your movie targets one of those and then hopefully all four right and monster squad i think you could say targets all four yeah. but back in 87 it, people didn't really think like that you know <laughs> like this like this movie especially considering how it approaches women in general uh this movie you know wasn't really targeted towards women even nope. though of course women love monsters yep. and it also couldn't really find the line between adult and kid that was easy for an audience or a marketing team to understand, you know, like basically, you know, parent, like if you watch a trailer for this, it, <laughs> it, it kind of like walks this very thin line of like, okay, it's fun and it's humorous, but also it's really fucking scary, you know, like, <laughs> Uh, like, like they really go hard on Keller selling the horror of it too. And so I think parents just, you know, parents were like nervous about it. Didn't want to take their kids to it. Uh, older adults probably saw the trailer and were like, oh, that's for kids, you know? And mm-hmm. so, uh, long story short, it basically just didn't find its audience until 
the early 2000s and like many movies that we you know cherish now uh the internet basically kind of helped revive this movie and you know show decker and the crew that there actually was a cult following for this and it wasn't until then that you know they started doing these conventions and that monster squad really got the revival that it deserves so i'm glad that it got the revival it deserved but it also kind of sounds like the marketing team fucking sucked they dropped the ball well i mean decker himself will say that it wasn't really the marketing team's fault like he doesn't blame them because okay i'll blame them for you (laughs) well i mean i'm not i'm not gonna pretend like they did a great job you know Mm -hmm. like looking at the marketing for the film it wasn't great but but decker acknowledges like yeah i mean when we made the film you know it didn't we didn't we weren't really considering too much of the target audience you know like we didn't really know we just knew that we just knew that we liked this and this is what we wanted so this is what we made so it's all (laughs) just chaos energy chaos gremlins all around yeah basically which i respect you know i i i hate the idea like look if you're sitting there about to go write your script or make your movie like don't fucking sit there and think you know oh, I'm making this for for older males or older yeah. women or, you know, like, whatever. Scrap all of that shit. Like, just make the movie that you want because your passion comes through. And so even if it fails, which, I mean, obviously you don't want it to, mm-hmm. uh, your audience will eventually find it. Yeah. You know? Well, and I think that's the beauty of Monster Squad. You know, even though they didn't really know the audience they were going for, they really captured the spirit of young, like, horror monster boys. Like, mm. I feel like you can attest to this, because Monster Quad feels like it very much was you as a child. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And, and I was pissed. I mean, minus the, the squad part, because you were alone. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I was alone in my monster love, unfortunately, but <laughs> but no, yeah, it was totally me as a kid. I mean, the whole scene in the beginning where they have Sean and Patrick, played by Robbie Keeger, where they're talking to the principal about, like, the monster drawings that they make, like, when I... I actually made a whole, like, ABC's book of monsters when I was a kid. Complete, of course you did. Complete with pictures. Like, not only did I teach myself my ABC's with monster names, you know, like D for Dracula and stuff like that, but I made a whole little drawing book where it was like A for Abominable Snowman, uh, <laughs> you know, W for Werewolf, and I had little pictures to accompany them. And my favorite, my favorite to this day is still the Invisible Man because I just left the page blanks. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> should publish that book. If only I still had it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, I obviously related to the movie a lot. I didn't discover it until a later age, probably because it, you know, bombed. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it wasn't one that I really caught on TV as a really young kid. I caught it in my teens, I think. But no, it's a great movie. It's stupid as hell that we don't have a sequel for it. And again, that's because it bombed, I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if only we could get one of these 40-year legacy reboots today. Um, <laughs> I don't trust them. What do you mean you don't trust them? <laughs> I don't. I get so nervous when I hear that. I just I don't trust them to do another good Monster Squad movie. They could totally do a good Monster Squad movie, especially if they got most of the cast back. But we but- wouldn't have Horace. And he's the heart. Well, we weren't in a force, and he is the heart, and so yeah. I agree with that. But anyway, uh, so we're about to get into spoilers. So again, if you have not seen Monster Squad, please go check it, rent it, check yeah. it out. We are going to spoil everything. So that being said, spoiler time. So <laughs> uh, let's just start off with, yeah, the, the group of kids themselves, the Monster Squad. 
What do you think of them? <laughs> okay, these are the most chaotic little gremlin boys I have ever seen. I adore them. I adore them and all their just like chaotic bouncing energy. But they are also some of the meanest little boys. They are mean. And, and, but the thing is, is, you know. <laughs> it's very I, 80s mean. It's very 80s mean, which is very mean. Like, yeah. 80s mean is, is quite mean in they film. They call Horace Fat Kid the entire movie. It doesn't make it okay, but there but there's a truth to it that, you know, is unfortunate. Because <laughs> that is how, at least the boys that I grew up with, that, that is how a lot of them were. Yeah. You know? So they are mean, and that definitely I can understand why that rubs people the wrong way if they're kind of coming to this movie later in life and don't have that kind of childish nostalgia with it having grown up with it mm-hmm. uh because it because it you know so, some of the language <laughs> and stuff like that certainly is like oh yeah ooh, this did not age yeah, like some, a fine wine <laughs> there, there is some homophobic language right off the bat in the beginning but... yeah no th- this a this aged like a corpse instead of <laughs> instead of wine like it it definitely hits those nerves yeah. you know? but you know when you get past that because i feel like sometimes that can be like i guess almost the biggest hurdle if you can't get past the fact that these boys make fun of each other and joke around and are kind of little horrible terrors a little bit i think the most important thing though with monster squad is this is a group of fun guy friends you know similar to why we love movies like the sandlot and and other of those coming of age all group of boys films I think that what's really cool about the Monster Squad, it's about kind of these outcast kids who all come together. And what's really cool about Monster Squad is that it's not limited to age. Mm-hmm. Like you would assume that it'd all be kids around the same age, but you have um they let Eugene in who's clearly much younger than they are. And then Rudy comes in who's, you know, older than they are. And Rudy is by far the coolest character. And if I was an eight-year-old girl, I would have had a crush on Rudy hardcore because he's amazing. Yeah, Rudy played by Ryan Lambert. Yeah, you know, you're right. There, There is no discrimination against age, only discrimination against women. <laughs> like, yes, you know? there is definitely and, that. And so, I mean, and I here's an idea for you since you're so opposed to a, a sequel to Monster Squad. You know, I would say that... That on one hand is, yes, it's the great thing about Monster Squad. It is definitely one of those uh, sort of iconic, you know, boys groups kind of movies like Mm -hmm. The Sandlot. You know, I would say, okay, well, why can't we have a a sequel or something like that that's an all-girls group? You know, or an all female Ghostbusters or, this shit. Or an all female identifying group of of, you know, kids that that takes on monsters. Like Cause I, cause I always thought it was kind of bullshit that we don't really have a lot of films like that with women, you know. Because uh, girls don't like monsters or horror films. <laughs> right, exactly, and and <laughs> we've hopefully bullshit. we've hopefully squashed most of that. Although you know, Warner Brothers might disagree since they appeared to you know split their streaming services into female and male oriented. Fucking stupid. Fucking idiots. Um, <laughs> but no, yeah. So so I mean, you know that. <laughs> That's one thing that always that always bugged me about the movie is that, um, or that does bug me about the movie, is that they're so mean to Phoebe and just like women in general. Because it's like, you know, to me, what's great about the Monster Squad themselves is that they are a group that is about accepting the outcasts. You know, because mm-hmm. uh, they're all outcasts themselves. Like yeah. y- you have to imagine that these are 
that that none of these kids are really like popular or fit in uh, because they're the monster kids. And look, being yeah. the monster kid in the '80s and early '90s uh, wasn't exactly like the the quick trip to being cool, you know. So, <laughs> Uh, I, I think it's speaking different. Speaking from experience. Speaking from experience, like, I think it's different now, you know, like, mm-hmm. horror seems to have become uh, more a part of, like, g- the general sort of population, you know, like, it doesn't seem uncool to like horror now, uh, but when I was a kid, like, you were a fucking freak if you loved <laughs> horror, you know, so, so it's this place that accepts the outcast, and like you mentioned with Eugene and Rudy, you know, Rudy in particular is interesting because Rudy is this kid that, you know, the other kids say, like, killed his dad or something <laughs> like that. And you sort of get the sense from Rudy that, like, even though he puts on this kind of, like, cool kid, you know, sort of guys, like, he probably isn't, you know? Cause oh, he definitely isn't, because Rudy's cool kid vibe is a cool kid from the fucking 60s. Like, he's not even 80s cool kid, because he's wearing goddamn penny loafers. Mm. Like, this boy's wearing penny loafers, not even cool, like, motorcycle, like, boots or anything like that. So it very much feels like with Rudy that he probably doesn't fit into his junior high because he is probably interested in different things. And I think the coolest thing about Rudy, which probably is one of the reasons why he doesn't fit in, is he's the only one who uses Horace's name. Mm. Like, that's, I think, one of the coolest things about Rudy. And I feel like a weird, subtle nod to why he maybe doesn't fit into junior high as much because he's a fucking soft, bleeding heart. (laughs) Like, this dude comes to the elementary school, sees this fat kid getting bullied, and steps in and, like, just shuts that shit down. Right. He doesn't fit into, you know, the the middle school, high school cliques that are basically, like, I I mean, it's like living in a fucking jungle. Yeah, they're like ravenous (laughs) zombies. They'll tear each other apart. And you got Rudy, who's just, like, this nice boy who likes to dress like a 1960s greaser. Right. And we all know how this shit works, right? Like, if you're a kid Rudy's age and you're hanging out with little kids, like, you're probably not the cool kid at school, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And I mean, you know, and it's funny because the reason that Lambert was cast to be in the role was because, you know, as as Decker and the others describe him, like he gives off that cool kid kind of vibe because because they they audition like other, you know, teen heartthrobs or whatever. And and Lambert got the role because they felt that he just like most casually kind of gave off that sort of vibe. And I love his audition story because he's basically like, yeah, I just walked in and asked Shane Black for a cigarette lit it, did my lines, and then walked out, and I guess that was cool <laughs> enough for them. So. I mean, that's, that is actually very cool and ballsy. I love that. Right, exactly. But yeah, they're all outcasts, you know? And so so I always just had this kind of thing of like, oh, well, you know, you should accept the female outcast too, guys. Like, you're supposed to be this group that accepts everybody. So. All right, I will weirdly slightly defend the boys with You this. are going to defend their sexism here. Okay, so I'm not going to defend the sexism. Are you about to tell me that girls have cooties? Because I've always wondered. Okay, so. we absolutely do, but they're good cooties, so the boys what have that, the bad there's cooties. There's no such thing as good cooties. Yeah. They're either cooties that are not. They're the they're cooties not that make us smart. You have the dumb cooties. No, cooties don't make you smart. They make you gross. You're gross. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I am. So, again, this movie is really good about capturing, I feel like, some of the chaotic energy of being a kid at that age. And while it's a bummer that they didn't have girls as part of the Monster Squad, the two girls that we really get, well, the three that we have, are all familial relationships. And I think that this movie does a really good job of kind of showcasing the weirdness with those. 
because like would it be nice if sean was a more accepting big brother of his little (laughs) five-year-old sister who's following him around yes it would be but also it's his baby sister following him around and he wants to be cool i mean look sean's an asshole oh sean is absolutely an asshole there's no way he's gonna be nice to his sister like i'm gonna be straight up about it like andre gower himself seems like a really nice dude Sean, though, is like the biggest dick of a child I've ever seen. He's mocking that poor teacher for having a cool hairstyle by calling her a cat head and then Okay, that teacher does not have a cool hairstyle. She She does. does, She does have a cat head. I know, and she's adorable. No, they are. Yes, she is. She's adorable. No, they are correct to be put off by her. But the. They are not. I'll fucking fight you. I'll marry that teacher. But I mean, like, for God's sakes, like, you you have that whole scene later on with, uh, with Frankenstein's monster where they're like outside Dracula's mansion, I think. And and I don't remember what, what he says, but Sean turns around, he's like, can it, Frank? And it's like, you've got this tiny little child like basically telling Frankenstein's monster to shut the fuck up. <laughs> and you're just like, just like, damn, he hasn't even known this monster for 24 hours and he's already bossing him around like the rest of his friends. Like, Sean is totally that dickhead yep. kid that, that you just hate being friends with, but you're friends with him. <laughs> Because he likes the same things that you do. And he's got a dope treehouse. <laughs> and he has a dope fucking treehouse. That treehouse is legit. It is amazing. <laughs> so I feel like it works within the narrative of the universe why Phoebe's not part of the group. I feel like you had to, you would have had to change characters. So were they okay with that? Yeah, so going back to what you were kind of saying about this not being a coming-of-age film, the reason I think that it is is because it is, again, represented in that very first scene where they are talking to the principal about their drawings and he's trying to like be that big cool kid Mm -hmm. that you know that was like the most obnoxious thing that adults did to me when i was a kid (laughs) which is basically like try to get down to their level and be like i used to think monsters were cool but you know what now i think science is cool or whatever it is that he says i dig it man i dig it man you know and like and and they're the thing about that is, is like, he's trying to get down their level, but at the same time, what he's basically saying is grow the fuck up, you know? <laughs> and it, the reason I feel like it's a coming-of-age movie in that sense is because as kids, we're, we're all told that these, that these things that we believe in, like monsters and stuff like that, are, are childish to like, you know? <laughs> it's, it's childish to like monsters. It's childish to be into horror. Uh, it's childish to, like, believe in magic in the world or whatever. And so there's a certain growing up just in general of having to face the realization of like, you know, adults don't believe in this shit, you know, and and realize that like adults don't, you know, care (laughs) about this stuff. But also it, they do have to grow up because they also realize that because they believe in this stuff is why they have to be the ones to sort of, solve the problems of the world you know Mm -hmm. and so this is kind of where the film gets into sort of my take on it which i'll be curious to see how much you scoff at this is that (laughs) is that i actually kind of view weirdly enough the monster squad as a world war ii movie so (laughs) no i think that that's I don't think that that's incorrect because there are a lot of World War II references in the film. Right, and there are. Like, you have the scary German guy, quote-unquote, who, you know, we basically get the hint of, of, okay, he's a Holocaust survivor yep. uh, from Nazi Germany. And so... Dracula's in a World War II plane when he first shows up. 
Yep, exactly. Dracula he gets dropped on the town like a goddamn bomb. Dracula, I'm glad you caught that. Dracula is essentially a literal monster bomb <laughs> being dropped on the town, <laughs> uh, along with Frankenstein's monster. And so, you know, so with the kids, the thing that kind of speaks to World War II through them is that, you know, World War II was was basically this period where it's like, you know, as all wars are, where it's the elders essentially being like, hey, we all fucked up. We couldn't make peace or whatever. And now all of you young people have to go die, you know, <laughs> like that. I mean, obviously it's more complicated than that, mm-hmm. but that, in a nutshell, that's what war is, is basically sacrificing all of our youth because older generations fucked up, didn't notice problems that were happening, didn't solve them mm-hmm. ahead of time. And now we all have to go, you know, fight. So these kids, you know, it's kind of the same deal in the monster squad is they basically, you know, eventually come to the realization of like the adults don't believe in this the adults aren't going to do anything about it and it kind of falls on the shoulders of us youth to take care of it yeah and you know i was thinking about this and it's actually kind of a intriguing thought is that you know as i've gotten older i've become one of those people that's like oh i want to see more older people in horror movies you know like give me give me the slasher movie that's with people in their 40s you know instead of just teenagers Mm -hmm. and as i was watching this i kind of realized like you know maybe the reason we have less of those movies i mean the obvious one is because you know it's easier to market to teenagers Mm because they're going to go watch the movie but i started thinking like maybe the reason that we see less of those movies is that in reality it does always come down to the youth being faced with this stuff yeah you know it's like people my age and older are the ones who fucked up (laughs) yeah and it always falls on the kids to kind of deal with it so (laughs) and that's the reality is that we're unfortunately getting to the age where we are the monsters and not the cool monsters (laughs) to further your point with kind of viewing it as a as a world war ii narrative as well is you also have to consider the fact that when you know the the nazi party first rose to power a lot of people who pointed out the warning signs of it were vastly ignored. And that's what we're getting yeah, with the hmm, kids. What does that sound like? <laughs> it remind you of anything going on today? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's not, not familiar at all. Yeah, never heard of anything like that. <laughs> um, but for me, I think the most telling moment of that and the most in-your-face moment of the, the complete disregard of adults, even when kids are telling the truth, is the moment with Eugene. And the mm. moment where he brings his dad in to get rid of the monsters in his bedroom. And his dad does this weird thing where he, like, kind of believes Eugene, but also is, like, making fun of him. Where he's just, like, yelling into the room of, like, all right, get out, you monsters, scat, scat, scat. Because he thinks that his his kid has imaginary monsters. And then Eugene points at the goddamn closet where there is an actual mummy in there. And the dad doesn't see what's right in front of his face. And, and that's what the kids are dealing with. Well, well, I mean, the point is the dad doesn't even look in the closet. Yeah. He just opens the door and is like, ooh, a scary monster, but he never actually looks. Yeah. And the Which, thing I, how the fuck did the mummy get in there? Well, look, Why I, is the mummy in well, there? Well, look, the thing that amuses me about this scene beyond that is just that it, it's kind of the only scene where the mummy, like, matters at all, <laughs> you know? Hey, he matters. <laughs> he does not matter. It, it's funny. Uh, I, I forget which commentary it is and who said this, but... At one point, they're basically talking about, like, the monster squad, like, the monsters, mm-hmm. and and the different, like, roles that they kind of represent if this was, like, a heist movie, you know? Because uh, they're trying cause they're trying to figure out, like, what's the purpose for all of them, you know? And the mummy, they're just basically like, I don't know, he's like, he's like the nerdy guy that, you know, <laughs> that, like, 
that like develops the like cool weapons or something. I don't know. Okay, I love that, and that's a dope role for the mummy to have. Yeah, but it's funny because I mean, you do watch this movie, and you're like, yeah, no, the mummy's totally useless. What the fuck does Gilman do? Well, Gilman's also pretty useless, although he does actually kill people in the end. So. That's true, and, <laughs> and he is and, dope. And he lifts Frankenstein's monster out of the lake. That's more than the mummy ever does. He also steals <laughs> Eugene's Twinkie. So there you go, you know, so already quite a few things that the creature does more than the mummy. The mummy just kind of limps around and is really fucking old, and if you flicked him, he would evaporate, so. <laughs> so no, so I'm glad, I'm glad we have one scene for the mummy. Uh, <laughs> but, but no, but yeah, and, and you know, going deeper into that kind of theme is like, you know, when we think back on wars, like, there were many pointless wars in, in history. Mm-hmm. Um, but World War II is one of those that I think a lot of us still look back on and say that, that was a war worth fighting because that was a war that was about good and evil, you know? Yes. Like, like that was a war where you could actually say, yes, there was a good side, and yes, there was an evil side. Mm-hmm. And The Monster Squad is a movie that is about good versus evil in their purest forms, you know? Good being the, the innocence of children and evil being the monsters. Mm-hmm. And so... It's poor monsters. They didn't ask to be evil. <laughs> Well, and, and so that gets us into the monsters, which the first thing I want to mention about them is that uh, just incredible designs by the oh, special yeah. effects team. You know, so so the effects designers all came from Stan Winston's effects house and like they just amazing designs for these monsters. Like I love the Wolfman. The creature especially, I think, is one of the best versions of the creature in film. <laughs> I'm going to be a little bit blasphemous and I might like Gilman more than I like the original creature. That is a bit blasphemous because I do think the original creature was just mind-blowing for the time that it was made. <laughs> it was. It was super mind-blowing for the time that it was made and amazing. But there's something about Gilman's design that I really like. But it might also be because he fucking hisses. And I think that's fantastic. Okay, so he hisses and Look, now that I'm, makes him better than the other one. I haven't fully decided. the OG. <laughs> I haven't fully decided yet. I'm sorry the OG didn't make more noises for you, Chris. I'm sorry he didn't seduce you with his fishman sounds. See, <laughs> 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 if he had at least done that, then maybe he'd be winning this battle. Um, but no, incredible designs. But yeah, so look, I mean, this is the thing with the monsters, right? That separates them from the kids, the monster squad, other than, you know, being actual monsters, is that the the monsters, other than Dracula, none of them really seem to give a shit nope. <laughs> about this whole plan. And this is the difference here, is that the monster squad is this group of outcasts that have a shared goal. You know, they all have this shared uh, determination in stopping evil and taking down the monsters. The monsters, on the other hand, are all basically being forced or coerced into Dracula's evil plan. Yep. I mean, I'm going to argue that because Dracula does legit care for Frankenstein. Like, look, I know that he's like, he is definitely a dick to Frankenstein because he like puts him in the little chamber and orders him to go and murder kids. Not like defending Dracula. But seriously, like, the looks that the actor gives Frankenstein when he unboxes him is super soft. I cannot believe you think Dracula cares about Frankenstein's monster. (laughs) He does. No, he does not. He cares as much as Dracula is capable of caring. Which is zero. I mean, look, the the thing with this Dracula... Somebody else agrees with me. No, they don't. The thing with with this Dracula, played by Duncan Rager, is that 
what makes him potentially one of the best Dracula performances in film is that, you know, other Draculas in film, Bela Lugosi, all those guys, Christopher Lee, they, they would bring a sort of elegance and humanity to the role mm-hmm. uh, in the moments where Dracula appeared human before he would kind of bring out the monster. And the thing with Rager's performance is that there is zero humanity. There, there is zero compassion, zero love, uh, zero anything that that is human in him. Like it's all completely fiendish and evil and bitchy. I mean, he does he, call a five year old a bitch. He he lifts a five year old up by her chin and says, "Give me the amulet, you bitch!" Like, <laughs> like that. That is an intense Dracula, you know. And, and he he himself is a little fucking bitch because he you know he is. He, he he's blo- a dramatic bitch. He blow he blows up the kids fucking treehouse <laughs> and is like meeting adjourned you know like like come on man like you have to blow up the treehouse it's not like it's not like they got fucking nuclear secrets in there or something they're just stupid drawings of spiders with people heads <laughs> i just love it so much because it is such a vindictive caddy move on his his side because at most the kids have stolen the amulet from him and he's just like i know the kids aren't in there but fuck them i'm gonna blow up their shit yeah well i mean vindictive being the key word that that is this dracula he yeah. is vindictive he is mean you know yes he is uh and so so no i don't think he has compassion for frankenstein's monster i think he just uses him like he uses all the other monsters and you know so because i mean that's the thing like the wolfman you know isn't there to serve him he's taking advantage of him Mm -hmm. uh the the creature in the mummy i mean we don't really know because they don't really have (laughs) much of a presence but (laughs) they just kind of show up but but the thing is is, you know and, and you know furthering the whole world war ii thing i mean to me Dracula is more or less Hitler in this, you know, in this premise because he's essentially like this evil demagogue who's basically like, I want the world to be my vision. Mm-hmm. And he's manipulating and controlling others into doing those things. And, you know, I guess the squad, I guess the the monsters are are sort of similar to the Nazis in that sense. You know, what I'm just getting at is that there there were different types of people serving the Nazi army then some believed in it fully some didn't probably and so you know but but as a whole they were a group that didn't have you know the sort of like i don't know the sort of companionship sort of togetherness that the monster squad does right because conviction if you will the conviction maybe because because you know in goodness like the monster squad there, that's more powerful than you know any sort of belief driven by hate right mm-hmm. so yeah which is really intense i guess yes. for, <laughs> for the monster squad <laughs> but no i mean that is how i see them and like you know even beyond that just little things to kind of hint towards just how evil dracula is in this like when the wolfman shows up to the swamp you know there's a snake on a tree that's kind of sitting there hissing so you would probably love it because it makes a noise but <laughs> there's a snake on a tree hissing and, you know, to me, that's almost like Dracula watching and sort of being representative, like, oh, he's like the devil, you know, because he's a <laughs> fucking serpent. <laughs> Which, you know, speaking of Wolfman, I think kind of leads me into, like, how the adults in the film are treated. Because, first of all, like, we've already kind of mentioned how the adults in the film are basically useless, right? Like, the the cops yeah. don't get shit done. Nope. I... I I love the whole sequence where where it's just one long take of Dracula 
walking towards Phoebe and he's just fucking killing cops, <laughs> left, cops. left and right <laughs> as they're trying to bring him down. Like they're they're like fucking flies to him, right? Mm-hmm. They're all useless. The army doesn't show up until the end, yeah. so they don't do anything, you know. And and you know, uh, the the only adults who do even mildly anything are are Sean's dad, played by Stephen Mock. And you know, with him, the thing that I think is interesting is that I don't know about you, but I get a little bit of a connection between Sean's dad and the Wolfman because how so? Uh, because well, first of all, you know they are like Sean's dad is most connected to the Wolfman in the movie just mm-hmm. from the get go because you know the the guy claiming to be a werewolf is what draws Sean's dad to the police station initially mm-hmm. uh, in the middle of the night. And, you know, we get the sense that, uh, that Sean's parents are kind of like in the middle of potentially getting a divorce mm-hmm. uh, because of his dad's work being a cop. And, and then, you know, Sean's dad later on is the one to kill the wolf man. And what's kind of fascinating there is that the, another part of the sort of, coming of age aspect of this is that you know and speaking from experience is that when you're a kid you know you think that everything is kind of like you there's sort of like a permanence to things to you as a kid like you just assume like oh my family will always be together my my pets will always be here you know like nothing's ever going to change in a way that like deeply affects me you know (laughs) like like as a kid there's just sort of that obliviousness to everything and I remember one of the first times that I really started to become an adult was when my parents split up and I actually had to start taking care of myself and my sister more because my parents were never home doing their own Other thing, things. you know, and yeah. I'm not going to get into that here. But so with Sean, he's kind of going through the same thing where like, you know, the he, he senses what's going on with his parents and so does Phoebe. And there's sort of a transformation that kind of happens with Sean's dad where it's like, he'll be, you know, like the kind cool dad in one moment, mm-hmm. sitting up on the roof, watching the drive-in movies with him. And in the next, he'll be, you know, arguing with his mom and being like a complete douchebag yep. and, you know, that kind of thing. So I feel like so- Sean sees that in his dad. And so he and the Wolfman kind of directly connect in a sense that, you know, the werewolf is all about transformation and kind of bringing out the center monster. Yeah. No, I definitely agree with you with that analysis. I do think, you know, it is, I think that we see the motion on a whiplash when we see how Sean reacts to his dad when he comes up to join him on the roof. Because Sean is nervous about his dad joining him because this is Mm. right after he's walked by and listening to his dad really just laying into his mom for her being upset about not being valued in his life. Um, And so, yeah, I think that that is one of the big parts of childhood. And this is the only small amount that I'll give you that it's a coming-of-age film. Because (laughs) I still don't think that it is. Um, I think that the boys get vindicated in their their beliefs, which I think that it is, that is important. Um, Mm. I think that it is important that, you know, we do see that tail end of the boys at the beginning saying that monsters are real and this is important to us. And then them being vindicated by actually fighting monsters. Because to your point, it is important for us to learn that, like, our... It's good for us to hold on to our beliefs and our childhoodness. That's important, that we don't let that get stripped away. See, see, but to me, the monsters, like, literally represent, like, so many different elements of, of getting older. 
of becoming an adult or of adulthood because yeah, yeah, but they're little shits at the end too so i say they learn nothing no that doesn't mean anything <laughs> like uh, what you learn a lesson and then you immediately take that lesson no 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 like i mean you know look at all the different monsters you know like for one you have you know the wolfman like represents the way that we change mm -hmm. the mummy is the fact that we get older uh frankenstein's monster is the fact that you know, some of us got uglier. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's your takeaway for Frankenstein? I mean, not exactly, but... Little but, kindness goes a long way. That's okay, fine. your we'll lesson. Say, fine, we'll say the creature. The, cre the creature is the fact that we get uglier. Uh, Frankenstein's monster, you know, we die. Like, the, like they, mm -hmm. they all kind of represent, I think, these different elements of adulthood that, that is part of what makes them scary to kids, you know? Mm -hmm. Because uh, as kids, like, those things are frightening to us. You know, as adults, we're like, fuck it, I guess I'm bald now, you know. But the, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but the kids, that's horrifying to think, like, oh, my God, I won't have hair one day or, you know, I'll be, I'll, I'll be ugly or, like, you know, whatever. Poor um, Gilman. Poor Gilman. Uh, I mean, I'm, we're not going to sit here and pretend like he's pretty. <laughs> but, you know, so, yeah, I think, I think all of that's there. And, like, especially, you know. Yeah, I mean, I guess I can kind of see where you're coming from with all of the, the monsters being their own specific hurdle. I am, I, you know, I'm kind of torn with you on the, the Frankenstein thing because, like, I do agree with you that, like, potentially he is learning about grief and letting go because he's the only one that they actually make friends with. He's the only defector from the Nazi army, if you will, since and, that's, a, that's a euphemism we're and, going with. And what does he ultimately teach them, especially Phoebe? Your pets will die. Your pets will <laughs> God damn it, Frankenstein is not a pet. And I'm not going to call him Frankenstein. He is a pet for them. <laughs> I mean, look, I yes, I don't think of him as a pet, <laughs> but he's totally a pet for these kids. <laughs> okay, he is kind of a pet for these kids. But as adults, I think that we can recognize that there's something definitely more to Frankenstein's monster. And you know what? I'm just going to call him Frankenstein because fuck Dr. Frankenstein because he was an idiot. No, don't call him Frankenstein. That gives him the name of the awful person that treated him That's terribly. That's true, but he doesn't have his own name. He needs something. Well, then call him Fred or something. I don't fucking know. All don't right, call him he's Frankenstein, now Fred. though. <laughs> um, but for me, really, when we look at you know Frankenstein's monster and him befriending the kids it really just takes a moment of kindness that Phoebe shows them a moment where she's not afraid of him um and that's such an important thing for the monster in this because we see that a lot in the um the scene when he sees the scary monster mask because that's a heartbreaking scene when they're so excited to show him how he's a scary monster mask. And his takeaway from it is, I don't want to be scary. I don't want to be feared. I just want people to love me for what I am. Because mm. nobody will goddamn do it for this monster. Not his creator. Not Dracula. Not Sean. Not Sean. <laughs> fuck that kid. But Phoebe will. Phoebe loves him for him. Okay, what's your point? <laughs> I don't know. I got lost in the weeds. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how that was supposed to prove that this isn't a coming of age movie to me. Um, so so no, look the, I mean yeah, and that that's the fun th or that's the great thing about Frankenstein's monsters inclusion in this is that again it ties back to the idea that the Monster Squad isn't just about people that love monsters; it's about the outcasts, you know. Yeah, it's about and and the movie itself, like part of the beautiful thing about the film, getting away from like you know the World War II themes and the adulthood themes and all that kind of stuff. 
is that, I mean, at its core, it's really just a movie about the fact that we are more than our appearances, you know? Yeah. Uh, like, like appearances don't Except define for us. fucking Gilman, apparently. Well, Gilman's an asshole, you know? <laughs> so, so no, it doesn't apply to Gilman. But, but yes, the, the idea in general is that we're more than our appearances. Like, you know, Frankenstein's a monster. He looks scary. He has mm -hmm. a mask made of him to be scary. But he himself is not scary. He himself is kind and good and a gentle soul and a gent well you know aside from when he pushes sean into the ground which <laughs> he doesn't which, know his own strength that's not his fault well what john dragauer says that uh <laughs> that tom that tom newton really let him have it there with that push <laughs> you know what? Good. which is funny because uh, you know tom newton is very much a um a method actor you know so oh. he he he's one of those actors where like he never appeared to the kids as anything but Frankenstein's monster, you know, so they would like ask him questions and he would respond like Frankenstein's monster. Uh, <laughs> and he also didn't really seem to like kids <laughs> or at least, or at least those kids. So, so I don't know. So that, that's just funny to me. Like he particularly like was annoyed by Phoebe. <laughs> oh. Cause she's five and all that kind of stuff, you know? So anyway, um, but no, but yeah, it's a movie about, you know, we, we are more than what we appear as. You know, Scary German Guy is another example of that, where it's like, they all feel like he's a scary German guy. And look, the first time he shows up to them outside, he looks fucking terrifying. Like, he has yeah. a really creepy look on his face. Yes, he does. That, that's a little too creepy for me. Um, but he has pie, and that's the important aspect. But he has pie, and he's a good dude, you know? Yep. So, and, and, you know, so just that idea that we, we're so much more than what other people see us as, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, unless you're Dracula, in which case you're, you're a fucking monster. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's why I love the fact that Godzilla is referenced so many times in the movie because, because like as much of a as much of a running kind of dumb joke that it becomes with like the mom and everything, and and you do have multiple uh, Godzilla posters that show up through the film. You know, the cool thing about that is that like Godzilla himself is a creature that is really not defined by their appearance because mm -hmm. Godzilla in some movies is quote-unquote bad in other films he's the hero and it really just speaks to the idea that like you know monsters aren't inherently good or evil yeah i think is why godzilla's brought up so many times it's just the idea that like you know we we are we are not defined by the way that we look i would definitely agree with that which is why now the dumbass black hole at the end of the movie makes so much more sense because i've had does it, it though okay <laughs> so i've had an issue with the black hole the couple of times that we've we've watched the movie because the first time it shows up is in the beginning when van helsing is terrorizing a small girl child yeah um, you, you got all the horror movies where an old man just shouting at a little girl like halloween five is a great example with <laughs> fuck dr with, loomis with, with dr loomis just <laughs> reaming <laughs> jamie like Verbally, Ugh. it is awful. It is awful. <laughs> are you happy all of your friends are dead now because of you? <laughs> Jesus. But it's it's interesting because, you know, the whole conversation this entire movie is about this amulet that once every 100 years you can say these words and it'll open up a portal to limbo to take all the evil creatures away. Well, it doesn't fucking do that. It just sucks up everything in the goddamn vicinity. Mm -hmm. So it really is just you should never use it. But I think to what you were just talking about, this concept that there is the possibility in all of us to be good or evil, you know, depending on who we come into contact with and what we believe and how we act. 
explains why this black hole is just like, fuck it, I'm not sorting it out. You just all get in the hole. If you're able to hold on to well, shit, you live. Well, I mean, that's the thing with that hole is like, look, it. I mean, yes, everything that you're saying. You know, I think it just goes back to the idea that like adults are fuck ups for mm-hmm. one, uh, because especially Van Helsing, especially Van Helsing, because I mean, you know, not not only was Van Helsing kind of a shitty vampire killer yep. <laughs> in in this movie's context, but you know, the the black hole, it's not a perfect solution. No, you know, like you're saying, like it's not a perfect solution. It just sucks up everything, and it closes once. The monsters are all sucked up. It seems I, the 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 <laughs> the method of the black hole is very mysterious. You know, yeah, we just we, gotta not think about it too we much. We don't really we don't really know how it works. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind it's kind you know. I feel like I feel like it's it's thought of the same way that that people when they're young think of like a vagina, right? Like you what know? the <laughs> fuck of like how does it work? You okay, know, that's like, fair. Like when how, they're young, there's like, adult men who still have problems with that. Fair, very fair. Like, how <laughs> how does it work? You know, what are, what do all the different passages do? What's that thing up there? You know, like that's like, why what, only a virgin can summon it. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's a whole other thing. Like the the thing with the virgins in this. I mean, first of all, why does it have to be women? Like, right? That, what that the is sexist never, nature of this? Like that is never explained in the movie that it has to be female because. Every single one of those boys is a fucking virgin. The entire Monster Squad could read that goddamn <laughs> the, book. The entire Monster Squad could including have done it. Including Rudy. Including Rudy. So it's like, why are they having to leave it up to a fucking five-year-old, you know? <laughs> like, fucking uh, sexist Monster uh, Squad. To- totally, totally. And by the way, I love uh, Patrick's sister, you know, going back to like, we are not how appearances define us, you know? Because I do love her just being like, even though she's not technically a virgin, she is reclaiming her virginity by being like that dude didn't count you know (laughs) i mean i'm gonna say that she's very valid in that because sometimes you just hook up with someone that you're like nope fuck it didn't happen fuck you guy right and she should be allowed to have the ability to do that right so (laughs) on a technicality maybe she can't say she's not a virgin but you can say that you were not a virgin if that one didn't count, you know? So. Yeah, fuck you, judgy amulet. <laughs> anyway, so so no, I mean, the black hole is not perfect. You know, it's not a perfect solution. And so, again, that speaks to the fact that adults just fuck things up. Mm-hmm. It also speaks to the fact that, you know, again, uh, appearances don't define us. And there is no such thing as an inherently good or evil monster, right? It just it kind of sucks up everything because there there's no really – discerning that so easily you know mm-hmm. a lot of cops and it t- well it sucks up a lot of cops dead bodies because dracula <laughs> fucked them up so. there's at least one live cop <laughs> probably one live cop you know but he was a monster so <laughs> <laughs> but no yeah it's it, but you know it it is that like it's just this it's this very bullshit solution for them to kind of sweep it all under the rug for people to deal with a hundred years later, you know, yep. like, <laughs> it doesn't solve any problem. Right. Again, going back to like how the youth just always have to solve the other generation's problems. Right. Yep. <laughs> like, like the, like the generation after us is now taking care of the fact that we all fucking weren't paying attention <laughs> for the last 20 years. So <laughs> have fun with global warming kids. Well, and, and I mean, that was begun by our fucking adult or parents, but <laughs> yep. you fucking Reagan. Yep, fucking Reagan. Hope you're rotting in your grave, you fucking asshole. Um, <laughs> uh, or rotting in hell, I should say. But yeah, no, I, 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 a last thought on that is just that I, I just love how cavalier they are about the explanation of this and the fact there is none. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, 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 
why like why does it have to be a female virgin reading it? I don't fucking know. Who knows? Who cares? <laughs> I love the why, army show. Where where does this black hole go? I don't know. Who cares? <laughs> love the army showing up being but, like what happened and their kids are like, We're the monster squad right. and then nothing. How, how the how the fuck did Van Helsing reappear to grab Dracula and then go back to the black hole? I don't know. Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> how do you learn how to do a thumbs up? And, and, and speaking of speaking of Sean saying we're the monster squad and handing him his fucking stupid card that he made. I love that hey, Patrick made those cards. Okay, Patrick made those cards. I love that like Patrick's out making these cards, you know, and doing this bullshit task. And, and meanwhile, Rudy is the one who's like making fucking silver bullets in shop class and stealing bow and arrows from the gym teacher. <laughs> he made the bullets. He stole the bow and arrow. He made the stakes. He has the highest body count because he kills three vampires, the mummy. Actually, he only kills two, and then we just never see the third one again. We know he killed the third one. We don't know we anything. We know he killed the third one. Monster Squad do, does not reassure us of anything. Do not disparage Rudy and make him lose a kill count I'm not count disparaging, on I'm just saying. We don't know what happens to that third vampire. But he also gets vindication for his Monster Squad initiation question, because they ask him, what are the two ways to kill a werewolf? And he goes, silver bullet, and the boys try to convince him that you can kill the werewolf, the Wolfman, in any other way, and you can't. Not in this universe. Well, and that always bugged me in the movie too, because it's like, why are these expert kids asking him the question, "What are two ways to kill a werewolf?" when they don't have a second answer for because how to kill a werewolf? Sean is an asshole. <laughs> Sean is a judgy asshole. Because up to, I mean, especially up to that point. Well, we did have a. Uh, yeah, no, up up to the point of the Monster Squad in werewolf lore, the silver bullet was the only way to kill a werewolf. And it still is. So, Wolfman got fucking blown up, and he still no, came back together. No, it, it isn't still. There are plenty of werewolf movies now that don't follow the silver bullet thing. Oh, now there are. But you said up until Monster Squad. And you said it still is, which is not the case. <laughs> fucking drunk semantics, bitch. Which, by the way, yeah, I do love that the werewolf just, like, pieces himself back together. It's amazing. We, do, we don't get a great werewolf transformation in this movie, but we do get a werewolf rebuilding from exploding, which I always thought was great. Yep. Um, okay, so we do have to start wrapping up, unfortunately. So who is your killer idiot of the Monster Squad? Fucking Van Helsing. Fuck this fucking bitch. Because, A... He doesn't use the amulet right in the beginning. I mean, they say it in the opening dialogue that they had this chance to do this and they fucking blew it. And they did because Van Helsing is yelling at this poor girl while she's trying to read the German. And not only that, he sets up the fucking black hole where there are no monsters. Van Helsing, who are you hoping to suck up? Because no one's there. No one's in that goddamn castle. I mean, I know Dracula's kind of there, but he's like Dracula not... is there. What the hell are you but talking about? But he's not in the vicinity. <laughs> Like, we know he's in the castle, but when the girl is reading in German, he's nowhere in that room. How is he going to get sucked up into that black hole? That's not how it works. It's not... They you don't, don't know how this black hole works. Nobody, nobody knows, how, knows black, how the black hole works. Nobody it's knows not, how the magic vagina works. It's not Van Helsing's fault that he doesn't understand female anatomy. Or, <laughs> or, or no, it's not, it's not Van Helsing's fault that he doesn't understand black hole anatomy. All right? Like, he just... <laughs> That's why he's the killer idiot. He's an idiot. Oh, well, fair enough. I mean, I, to me, the the idiot is obviously Sean's mom because. Aww, <laughs> well, she's look, doing her best. She's doing her best, but I'm sorry. I don't care how culturally ignorant you are with with media. There's no way that you don't know the difference between fucking Godzilla and like Van Helsing. You know, or, her marriage or, is on the rocks. She can't get the details straight. I don't straight. give a shit. All right. <laughs> There's no way that you live in 1987 
and you don't know what the fuck Godzilla is. <laughs> and if you don't know what the fuck Godzilla is, there's no way that you confuse Godzilla between a fucking giant reptile and like a tiny little gremlin. All right? There's no way. There's no way that you don't understand the difference. <laughs> At least she's trying, man. And and she even writes Van Halen. Van Halen uh called about Van Halen's diary or whatever on the board instead of Van Helsing. Come on. Come on, mom. <laughs> um so no, she's my killer idiot. So anyway, what what about your killer death of the Monster Squad? Look, I want to say the Wolfman because he gets fucking exploded, which is amazing. But then he just gets shot with a bullet, which is not nearly as much fun. So I'm going to go with the mummy because I love the fact that they unravel the mummy. I think that that's just so much fun. Yeah, and way more complicated than it had to be. All they really had to do was hit him with a baseball bat once and he would have been gone. <laughs> <laughs> he would have just he would just poofed in the dust. <laughs> Which, which, you know, He's got is a, supernatural strength, bitch. No, he doesn't. Which yes, is he a, does. He does not. He's the mummy. What did he do in this movie to prove to you that he has supernatural strength? He held onto the back of a goddamn Jeep going 50 down the highway. How the hell is that supernatural strength? A Could you do that? A moth can hang on to the back of a Jeep going 50 miles an hour. It no, it cannot. Why are you so bitchy about the and, mummy? And yes, I could. any of us could do that. It's it's not like he stopped the car from going 50 miles an hour. He just held on like a fucking sheet in the wind. He held on with one hand on the Jeep and one hand on a small child. Man, I got to tell you, Buzz Chris does not know what she's talking about. <laughs> You're so fucking rude. Um, no, he, he shows zero display of supernatural strength in this movie. He is dust. And look, that's a credit to the effects team is they make a mummy that looks like dust. Like He, he does. Like he like, looks like if you blew on him hard enough, he would just disappear. And yet he doesn't. <laughs> well, no, he does. Doesn't. Hold he, on to that Jeep until he, he unravels. Okay, uh, I don't. I don't need. I don't even. I can't. I can't engage in this anymore. So what? What's uh, your killer death? Well, it was the Wolfman. The, I don't count the silver bullet thing. I count the exploding thing. But so. he doesn't die from that. I don't care. The exploding <laughs> thing is still a cool way to kill him at first. Fair enough. Uh, what about your killer MVP? Dude, fucking Rudy. He's my favorite part of this movie. Like he's just super charming and he's a fucking little weirdo, and I love him. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna give it to Horace because damn uh, straight. Because like you said earlier, you know, Horace is basically the heart of the movie. He is the one kid that I would say is like truly good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then on top of that, you know, he, he's the one who's bullied the most too. And so I just kind of relate to Horace because I was a bullied kid. And I expect, so I love the moment when he kills the creature with a fucking 12 gauge shotgun and, <laughs> and, and his bullies are like, oh, good job, fat kid or whatever. And he turns around and cocks the shotgun and he's like, my name is Horace. Oh, it's <laughs> such a good line. And, and it's such a good line because, you know, for those of you that weren't really bullied like that, it's demeaning in a sense where it's like, or it's demeaning in such a way that like you almost lose your name and your name becomes whatever the bullies call you, you know? So for Horace to actually be like, my name is fucking Horace, you motherfuckers, you know? Uh, it's just such a great moment, like for any yeah. kid that ever related to Horace. So no, he's my MVP. Uh, so every week on Twitter at Killer Critics, we always kind of get your thoughts and feelings on the film and what you think of it. So between love it, it's fine, don't like it, and never seen it, where do you think the Monster Squad fell with our audience? Love it. Duh. Yeah, so of course it was overwhelmingly <laughs> Love It. Uh, Love It got 70.8%. It's Fine got 14.2%. Don't Like It got 4.2%. And Never Seen It got 
So that pretty much falls right in line with where I thought it would be. Um, so we're going to take comments from you all as well. So these are all from Twitter. First up is at Epic Film Guys. Uh, so that's, again, Epic Film Guys. And I, they have a podcast, so you should check them out. And they just say, one of the greatest movies ever made. Yes, it is definitely a fantastic film. And again, this is a perfect gateway horror film. Like, for all of you horror parents and stuff like that, if you haven't started showing your kids horror films yet, this is a perfect one to intro them to. Yeah. Uh, I would just say, one of the greatest movies ever made? I don't know. <laughs> but... I mean, that's obviously a Friday the 13th film. Oh, yeah, obviously. <laughs> um <laughs> But but one of the greatest uh, gateway horror films ever made, absolutely. Yes. Like I, I think this is like top three in that category. Um, so anyway, thank you for the comment at Epic Film Guys. Appreciate it. Uh, next up is a comment from at Run Kyle Run thirteen. So that's Run Kyle Run, and the numbers one three, and they say Monster Squad is another one of those movies I rented so many times. It's a film even as a kid I remember being fun, but also pretty dark. For every Wolfman's Got Nard scene. You also have Give Me the Amulet, You Bitch. <laughs> Universal Monsters teaming up against kids was amazing to see. This is one of those movies, there's not a whole lot of horror films that Matt has shown me that I've regretted not seeing as a kid. And this is one of the few that is. Because I watched Hocus Pocus religiously. And under yeah, you and everyone else. Yeah, and Under Wraps was probably my second favorite one, which is why I'm very defensive of The Mummy. Um, you can defend mummies. I'm just telling you, he I'm didn't do shit in this movie. Fuck you up. <laughs> oh, I am. So, yeah, I wish that I had known about this movie sooner because I absolutely would have been in the same shoes as you and would have rented it a bajillion times. Yeah, but, I mean, you know, Run, Cow, Run also kind of speaks to the, the problem of the movie, right? Which was that it was it, – it's so lighthearted and fun, but simultaneously, like, really fucking dark, you know? Yeah. And that and that was unfortunately kind of the, the stake in its heart in terms of box office. <laughs> But but no, it, but that is what I personally love about it, and I think what many of us love about it is that it's not so safe of a kid's movie. It really is the perfect gateway horror movie because it's it's fun and entertaining and it's good for kids, but it's also a little scary. You know, it's a little scary. It's that it's that great stepping stone into hardcore horror, which is why we love these kinds of movies. So uh, thank you at Run Cal Run Thirteen for the comment. Appreciate it. Uh, next up is coming from at Hillbilly underscore D underscore Lux. So that's hillbilly underscore D underscore L-U-X. And they say, I love Monster Squad for expecting us to be smart enough to know that scary German guy was a Holocaust survivor. A modern movie would show the tattoo and then give us a full monologue to put a button on it. <laughs> and that's, again, some of the great things about Monster Squad is that it gives us clues and it trusts us to be smart enough to figure this shit out. Yeah. But then it also well, kicks Wolfman <laughs> in the nards. You know, I live by the idea that uh, not to treat your audience like they're stupid. Yep. You will always have more success with your film if you treat your audience, you know, like they're capable of getting it. <laughs> <laughs> and and I love how God you say, me. yeah, because you're always that audience member who's like, I don't get it. Why, why aren't they explaining it to me? <laughs> oh, I am very dumb. And a lot of times if I'm not given certain information, I will ask Matt because I do love backstory and things like that. But I think mm. that there is a line and Monster Squad kind of shows us that with certain things, you do not need to give us too much information. We're smart enough to infer what you're talking about. All right. Uh, so anyway, thank you at Hillbilly underscore D underscore Lux for the comment. Appreciate it. Next up is a comment from at half horror. So and so again, that's half horror. 
And they say, I'm very much a minority on this, I know, but I don't think the sexism and homophobia of the movie has aged well. And fat shaming, and look, it'd take a while to break it all down. <laughs> okay, I don't think that you're alone in this. As we've said, there's a lot of aspects of this movie that don't age well, and you kind of do have to take it with a grain of salt. And if you, if you can and still enjoy this film, awesome. But if the homophobia and the fat shaming is a big turnoff for you, totally understandable. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't think you're in a minority with it because I, I do, you know, I do think that there are a lot of us that kind of look at that stuff now and go, oh, yeah, I'm not, you know, it makes me a little uncomfortable to watch certain scenes with it now. Just um, call Horace Horace. Yeah, you know, and like we've been saying the whole episode, like there's just a lot of things that don't quite, you know, that, that, that haven't aged very well. So I definitely understand that, you know, um, and like Chris said, it's just one of those things where it's like, if it if it's not so much of a turnoff for you that you can still enjoy the movie, great. If it is, completely understandable. And, you know, I if there's anyone out out there that's ever like, I can't believe you don't like the Monster Squad, well, you know, screw them. Like, yeah. it's, you're, allowed, you're allowed to like and not like and, and feel the way about these things that you do. So, exactly. Um, so, no, I totally get that. And I wish that, you know, it was possible to maybe not have to deal with some of that with the movie now but <laughs> be nice to have an updated monster squad like you said yes an updated monster squad would be amazing uh so anyway thank you at half horror for the comment appreciate it and then lastly is a comment from at single hot latina so that's single hot latina and they say i want to see a new monster squad but instead it's all modern horror icons jason plays the frankenstein character who is befriended by kids freddy is dracula the rest can be fill in the blanks. I know it would never happen outside of an indie movie, but one can hope. Oh my God, will you marry me? Because that's amazing. And I also <laughs> want this movie and you might be my platonic soulmate. Yeah, no, that I, I wanted to mention this one because I also just really want that movie and know yep. it will never happen, but it just, it that would be amazing. <laughs> Jason befriending the kids is like peak amazingness. And, and Freddy is Dracula is perfect. <laughs> it's amazing. You're a genius. Um, so no, I love it in my dreams i i hope we get that movie so yep. <laughs> uh so thank you at single hot latina for the comment appreciate it uh so we also have our releases for the week so some interesting some pretty great stuff to look forward to uh first up is a film called speak no evil which is come which will be on shutter by the time you're le listening to this uh speak no evil is basically about a family who befriends another family while on vacation and then goes to stay with them uh a few months afterwards or whatever and without giving spoilers, let's just say that Speak No Evil is the feel bad movie of the year. Like, <laughs> like in this, a good way? No, like oh. the, well, I mean, you know, whatever you consider a feel bad in a good way is, I don't know, but uh, but this movie will fuck you up. It's extremely mean. It's extremely depressing. It's it, it is very much not a leave you with a good feeling film, um, but it is effective. And so, if you're kind of if it sounds interesting to you. That's on Shutter this week. Uh, the other one is the prequel to X Pearl, uh, which is in theaters this Friday, uh, and that's basically just about Pearl, kind of what what she went through as a young woman and getting so into, fucking excited for this movie. Getting into her murdery ways. Uh, <laughs> I I have not seen this one yet. I was supposed to go to a screening, and stupid COVID booster made me sick. So. Boo. <laughs> Um, but I did see Speak No Evil and have a review for that. So if you'd like to read my review on that, you can find that on killerhorrorgrade.com. Uh, and then lastly is Goodnight Mommy, the remake, uh, which will be on Prime by the time you're listening to this. 
Uh, I, I have not seen any reviews for this yet. Uh, well, actually, uh, I have seen a couple of reviews for this so far, which seem to pretty much say what I expected, which is that it, of course, does not live up to the original. Uh, but, but hopefully it won't be so bad. So if you're a film of the original or if you have no idea about the original, uh, you can check that out. It does seem it, it's the original is very good. So mm. so maybe this will be a worthwhile remake. I don't know. But so you can check that out there. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about the film Paranorman, yes. uh, which both of us absolutely adore. Cannot wait to get into that one. Uh, unfortunately, it's not streaming, but is very well worth your rental dollars if absolutely. you haven't seen it. Uh, so check it out. Go do your homework there. Otherwise, it's going to do it for us. So I'm Matt. And I'm Chris. And have a great night, horror fans. Bye. I hope you've enjoyed tonight's episode of Killer Horror Critic. If you'd like to scream with us some more, Please subscribe on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Killer From Space, as well as Instagram at Killer underscore Horror underscore Critic. New episodes release every Friday, so keep your eyeballs peeled just the way I like them. Have a good night, horror fans. <laughs>